What is that little extra thing that makes the ordinary extraordinary? I believe it is the presence of God. At Christmas, God came into our ordinary world in the form of a child. In this season of hope and anticipation, as we eagerly await Christ's birth and Christ's return, God is still at work in and through the ordinary stuff of life. This Advent season at Second Presbyterian, we will begin a sermon series titled Advent in Plain Sight. Roughly based on a devotional written by Jill Duffield, we will connect everyday objects with the biblical text and find holy meaning and holy moments. We hope this Advent season will be an extraordinary one that allows us all to see God in and through ordinary things. Let us pray. O Lord, as we open your word, open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive, what you speak to us this day. Amen. A reading from Paul's letter to the Ephesian church, chapter 6, verses 10 through 17. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his power. Put on the armor of God so that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For our struggle is not against enemies of blood and flesh, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil and the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, so that you may be able to withstand on that evil day, and having done everything, to stand firm. Stand, therefore, and fasten the belt of truth around your waist, and put on the breastplate of righteousness. As shoes for your feet, put on whatever will make you ready to proclaim the gospel of peace. With all these, take the shield of faith, with which you'll be able to quench all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. God. Our second reading comes from the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 6. Listen once more for God's word to us this day. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of its roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the Spirit of wisdom and understanding, the Spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord, his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf, the lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you pray with me? Grant that the words in my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts might be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. 
Amen. Many of us throughout the pandemic, especially during the stay-at-home orders, found a TV show or two or three that we binged. We watched all the time. You may have even found a good one and you have rewatched it once or twice or three times already. Valerie's in my favorite show that stormed onto the scene and captured the hearts of everyone who watched it, Ted Lasso. I knew I should have kept my mustache. <laughs> this show is about a coach named Ted Lasso, played by Jason Sudeikis, who is a quirky and mildly successful American football coach who gained fame for a viral video of a locker room celebration dance. He is then hired to coach an English soccer team, Richmond FC. Although he knows nothing about what the world calls football, Ted Lasso nonetheless is an inspiring coach and a student of the human condition. What comes across to some as annoying optimism is really a deep joy of living and unconditional kindness. I mean, the, the show's tagline is, kindness makes a comeback. And a big plus about this show, besides the great one-liners, is that Ted brings a playful light into the cutthroat business of professional sports, especially the cutthroat business of English Premier League soccer. A light that we indeed needed in the darkness of the pandemic world. One of my favorite scenes happens in the Richmond FC pub. Rupert, the ex-husband of the team's owner, bullies Ted and Rupert's ex-wife, Rebecca, who was given ownership of the team in the divorce. A high-stakes dart match ensues. Before his final throw, Ted, in usual Ted fashion, offers an educational anecdote. He says to Rupert, Guys underestimated me my entire life, and for years I never understood why, and it, and it bothered me. Then one day I was driving my little boy to school and I saw a Walt Whitman quote painted right there on the wall. It said, be curious, not judgmental. And I liked that. And then it hit me. All those fellas who used to belittle me, not one of them was curious. They thought they had everything figured out, so they judged everything and they judged everyone. And I realized that their underestimating me had nothing to do with who I was, because if they were curious, they would have asked questions. Ted then throws his final dart to go out on bullseye. Be curious, not judgmental. Judgment comes out of a sense of certainty. It comes when we believe our truth is the only truth. And judgment makes no room for other experiences, other ways of thinking, or other ways of being in the world. Isaiah offers a prophecy of a king that will not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. This king will be a king that creates curiosity. A king that opens us to a new way of thinking, 
a new understanding of kingship and power. The shoot that comes from the stump of Jesse will possess the spirit of the Lord, a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of counsel, a spirit of knowledge. And knowledge here is not a cognitive quality that breeds certainty. Rather, knowledge here is entering into and experiencing what is known, a shared consciousness. The branch that comes forth to rule will rely on qualities of covenant commitment, righteousness, and equity. This will in time usher in a reversal when the poor and the meek will be lifted and the wicked will be laid low. A time when wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together. A time when all we know is forever changed, where the world and all that is in it is at peace and will be led by a little child. This image is the peaceable kingdom. This kingdom come will turn everything that has ever been known on its head. Predator and prey call truce and enemies live and play together. It will restore heaven on earth. If you do a Google search for images of the peaceable kingdom, the results will come back with thousands of images. But I do want to show you three of my favorites that I found. The first is by John August Swanson. This is a 1994 serigraph. And I learned actually in working with Andrea for this service is that this image has been used for Kairos bulletins in the past. I love this image. Swanson's art reflects his strong heritage of storytelling, inherited from his Mexican mother and Swedish father. With many influences, especially the colors of Latin American folk art and the tradition of Mexican muralists, his work is elaborate yet direct and easily understood. And there's so much to behold in this image, so I encourage you to take a Another look, a deeper look, as you rewatch this sermon later on this week. <laughs> Unfortunately, Swanson died a few months ago in September. But I give thanks to God for his gift of art and storytelling through colors and picture. The second image I want to show you is a playground mural painted by Isaac Tenwe Lin in Philadelphia. Lin explores the realm where representation and buzzing abstraction meet. Using hard surfaces and calligraphic patterns, Lin seeks to use art in expressing the logic and the complexity of written language. It's hard to see, but if you look closely, you can see the cartoon characters wearing hats from rival baseball teams, the Philadelphia Phillies and the Pittsburgh Pirates illustrating yet another side of the peace in the kingdom come. Oh, to put it in your terms, that would be like Virginia Tech and UVA kids playing on the playground, or Duke UNC kids having a meal together. The last image is a little different. 
This one is by humor artist Will Bullis, who resides in Carmel Valley, California. This is his take on the peaceable kingdom. But he adds with two olives. It's a great interpretation of Isaiah's vision. I just love the playfulness here, a playfulness that is evident in the kingdom come. I saw this one a few years ago when another pastor used this image in a sermon, and I came back to it today because I think curiosity played a role in this lion and lamb finding themselves at the bar together. We don't know exactly how these two found themselves in this situation, but I do believe, like I said, curiosity happened. A curiosity that opened up the possibility for these two, natural enemies based on the law of the jungle, to sit down together and share a drink. So who do you think was at the bar first? Maybe it was the lamb. The lamb is minding her business at the bar, and the door opens, the music screeches, and the lion stands in the doorway. As the king of the jungle, all animals are scared, shaking, backpedaling as they clear a lane for the lion to walk. But maybe this one lamb, sitting at the bar, may have caught eyes with the lion. And the look on the lion's face tells me he is in need. Something's troubling him. Maybe an identity crisis, or maybe he just experienced a traumatic encounter in the wild. It's like a catatonic expression of numbness. All the other animals are scared. I mean, it is a lion. But the lamb doesn't judge. The lamb is curious. The lion takes the seat next to the lamb and curious and compassionate towards the lion, the lamb may have leaned towards the barkeep and said, put him on my tab. (laughs) The lion then might have looked endearingly back at the lamb and says, I'll have what she's having. A moment of curiosity that leads to connection. An unlikely connection. Or maybe it's the lion at the bar first. The lamb wanders into the predator bar, noticeably out of place. All eyes just turn to the lamb. Dinner is served. As the lamb looks around, she wonders where she can sit or even if she should be in this place. And perhaps in this moment, there's slight hesitation. But the lion at the bar scoots over and calmly pulls the barstool out as an invitation for the lamb to sit. With courage, the lamb accepts that invitation. The lion is curious. What possessed this lamb to walk in here? I wonder what's going on with her. I'm not sure what kind of conversation ensued, if one at all, but finding themselves at the bar, feeling out of place in either situation, perhaps thinking there is no one to understand, they realize they are not alone. And an insightful comment happened after the early service where someone said, you know what I think? 
I think the lion and lamb are tired. They're tired of trying to fit into what the world says they are. But the courage to move away from judgment toward curiosity allows us to begin to create those small moments of impossible reality Isaiah foretold. A reality that is ushered in not by power or force, but by humility and love and openness. A reality that can be experienced in our interactions. Judgment shuts the door on seeing the complex experiences of others as the truth. Curiosity invites those experiences into conversation and connection with our own. When judgment says, how can they think that? They are being so irrational. Curiosity asks, I wonder what information they have that I don't. And I wonder what experiences shape such a worldview. When judgment says, he, she, they, them pronouns don't make any sense to me. Curiosity asks, I wonder how these pronouns help this person express their core identity and allows me to understand them better. When judgment says, it's not privilege, it's hard work, everyone has the same shot at life, curiosity asks, I wonder what this person has had to endure. And when judgment says, God would not come as a poor baby. A baby cannot be king of kings, lord of lords. Curiosity asks, I wonder what I can understand better about God and the world, knowing God would come as a baby. Curiosity opens us to a deeper understanding on how to love the world and the people in it with the love that they need. Curiosity allows us to stop and wonder what is going on with this lion? What happened to this lamb that makes her think she has nowhere else to go? The world has been a place where the powerful take advantage of the poor, where the meek are pressed further under the boot of the mighty, where gaps grow and divisive lines are drawn, and war seems like the only response. This world seems far from the truth of the peaceable kingdom. But the season of Advent offers us a reminder that change is drawing near. The Messiah, the one who is to come, ushers in God's great kingdom as the powerful are pained with the plight of the poor. Where the mighty stand in solidarity with the meek. A kingdom where lion and lamb can share a drink together at the bar. Where the laws of the jungle are rewritten with pinstrokes of righteousness and equity. This. Vision is the hope of Advent, a hope that we are called to participate in, where we are too called to wrap around our waist the belt of truth, a truth that reminds us to see one another as image bearers of God, 
as members of the one body of Christ. With the courage of curiosity, the peaceable kingdom can be a here and now reality as we wait for Christ's birth and Christ's return. For the kingdom of God is led by a child, a child who comes from the bloodline of Jesse, a descendant of David. He is Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, God with us, the Lion of Judah, the Lamb of God, who wears around his waist the belt of truth and the belt of faithfulness. Amen. Second Presbyterian, finding direction by following Jesus.